Hi guys and welcome to another podcast from BetfairTradingCommunity.com with me your host Martin. Uh, today I'm going to talk about international football uh, partly because Euro 2020 is just around the corner actually starting tomorrow. Um, I really think they just need to change the name to Euro 2021. A little ridiculous that we're calling a tournament Euro 2020 when it's actually 2021 um so but you know obviously the pandemic's delayed it but what i really want to talk more about today is a kind of a general idea of international football kind of how i approach trading it um and basically the differences between international football and normal league or club football uh, as you may call it so what i want to start with here is by saying that i'm very reluctant when trading international football so to be honest if there's a better if there's something better to trade at that time I'm probably just going to trade that most of the time um, but obviously with big tournaments it's slightly different because you do know uh, kind of where teams are at you, you assume that they're pretty much motivated to the maximum um, which is a good thing and that hopefully we can use our knowledge and experience to trade the markets and still make a profit. So I mentioned there about how I like there to be high motivation within teams. And what I've found is that in international football, so let's say you have a general international break and there's no major tournament. Maybe you're playing qualifiers, maybe you're playing friendlies. What you'll find is that teams often... You know, some of their players don't bother turning up. You know, if they play for a big club, they might have a slight strain and just decide to stay at home. Um, and often, you know, these teams are massively depleted. Not only that, but let's say you get to friendlies and it's hard to work out how motivated the teams and the players are. But I think when you get to a major tournament like the Euros or the World Cup, players are basically well they should be anyway shouldn't they as motivated as they can be you know what better honor what better privilege is there than leading your country to glory in a football tournament you know by far the biggest sport in the world we know that and i feel like it's the pinnacle for most footballers you know so what's really good here is that with like I say, the motivation's there. And although I'm reluctant to trade on international football, these major tournaments are kind of what interests me most. You know, if I had to pick out of the international schedule, these are what interests me. So I'm going to talk about how I trade them. I'm going to talk about kind of what the differences are and the things I look out for. So firstly, how do I trade international football in major tournaments? Well, one thing I do, and one thing I've had a lot of success with over the years, is I like to dabble in the outright markets. Now, if you're not sure what that means, the outright market is just betting on who's going to win the tournament. So, you know, um, rather than just a normal match odds market where you're just betting on one specific match, you're betting on which team is going to win it. I really like these markets. I'm a big fan of outright markets. And the reason is you get juicier prices on everything. Um, so if you believe in your knowledge, if you believe in your skill, actually, because you're getting these better prices, 
um, if you're good at what you do, you know, you've got chances for big profits. You've got chances for really good returns compared to your stake. Um, so for the Euro 2020, as it's still called, rather laughably, um, I, I, had a, I had a trade already a while ago in France. Um, I think I mentioned it on the forum at the time on betfairtradingcommunity.com. And I said that France's price was just too big. I think they were 7.2 at the time. And I looked at their squad. There's no clear weaknesses that I could see. They won the World Cup. And let's be honest, they won it very easily. Like One of the things I'm going to talk a little bit about soon is, is finals and, and kind of knockout stage and how tight these things can be. But I struggle to remember a World Cup where a team kind of won it as easily as France did, where you just never really felt... I mean, it wasn't like you watched them and thought, wow, this is like, you know, the most amazing football I've ever seen. But they they never really seemed greatly challenged. And, uh, you know, although it was a high-scoring final, you know, scoreline-wise, score it was very comfortable. Um, it did seem like they could score at will. So that's just the last World Cup. Then you go back to the to the previous Euros. And bear in mind, a lot of the players that, that are in these squads are still there now, you know. Okay, a few players are always going to change between that four-year period, but it's very rare that teams completely change. So let's go back to the last Euros. Actually, it was five years ago now, wasn't it? Because uh, it was in 2016. And France lost in the final. France lost in the final. Um, they lost to Portugal. It was a very tight match. And they lost 1-0. In extra time, I believe. And the thing is, they got to the final. They were, he they were heavy favourites in the final. And they won the World Cup. So why on earth, in the next Euros, is this team, with, with a great squad of players, priced at 7.2? Well, for me, it's, it was, it's just clear value. And I think they've come into around 6.4. Well they, well, they did the last time I looked. But I still think it's actually a nice price. Um, but the whole point with outright markets and trading these markets is that my intention here is not necessarily to just back France and forget about it. My intention is to keep analysing the trade, you know, so see what happens after the group stages, see what happens um, later in the tournament. You know, will I exit when France get far into the tournament? Maybe their price will come in to three to one, something like that. I might not exit totally, but what I probably would do at that stage and what I often do is just I'd remove any liability. Um, you know, I don't like to have massive liabilities uh, and so I always try to get bits out where I can. But what I love about outright markets is that... So let's say I take France at 7.2. Now, then let's have a look and go and have a think and go, right... Are there any other teams that interest me? Because when you're backing at 7.2, realistically, and bear in mind, they're the favourites, so anyone else you back is going to be bigger odds. And if you back someone else, you know, we might back them for a slightly smaller amount or whatever. But actually, if either of them do really well, you're going to be in the money. Um, and if either of them win it, you're going to be in very, very big profits. 
Um, and this is and bear in mind this is this is backing a team that the market says is the slight favourite, and you're still getting that juicier price. And that is what's what I really love about outright markets and especially things like these football tournaments where they are quite wide open. Um now the whole I think what's thrown people a little bit is this whole France, Portugal, Germany group. Um the reality is all three of those clubs probably will qualify for the next phase. Um I do really like Portugal's squad. I had a, do you know what? This is this is a funny thing that I do right where I looked at the Panini album, and then I looked at the from this year, and then I looked at the Portuguese squad, and I thought, I mean, wow, on paper, see a lot of people will say France, but on paper you could argue that Portugal actually has the best squad, but and and so many of those top players in the Portuguese squad are playing in the Premier League or are playing in the you know the top leagues in Spain. Um and the interesting thing is that for me that squad is now much stronger, much stronger than it was five years ago when it won it. Um so and and of course, you know, whether he's lost his legs He's found new ways to score, right? Cristiano Ronaldo is still arguably, you know, the best player to have played the game, or at least second best, depending on where you lie on that great debate. But I don't think there's a ton of debate outside of those two. Uh, obviously, Messi being the other one. So it's really interesting that Portugal, who I believe were, when I last looked, were 10.5 to back, um, if I was going to have a second trade, it would probably be on them. Um, and bear in mind that obviously playing in the group stages means that they can't play against each other in the next round after that. So you're not blocking yourself by taking two teams who are in the same group, unless you assume neither team is going to qualify, um, which I don't think is going to happen. Now, what you might want to do in an outright market instead is go for a bit of a flyer, right? Now, people talk about dark horses, but let's say you pick a dark horse. Now, I've heard today that's, that, a, that a popular dark horse has been Turkey. Um, now, I don't know a ton about Tur- the Turkish squad at the moment. It's something I need to look into before their first game. Um but you could take a flyer on a team like that that's going to be a massive price to win it all. And let's not forget, whilst the World Cup doesn't tend to have, you know, unfancied winners, in recent, in fairly recent times, well, I say recent times, basically my lifetime, but Greece have won it. Greece have won the Euros. Greece, right? And Denmark. Greece and Denmark have won the Euros, right? Just think about that for a second. So in the last, what, 30 years, and this only plays every four years, so let's say maybe there's been seven, eight tournaments. That means that two of those eight, quarter, 25%, have come from very unexpected teams. So... This might be a tournament where you go, do you know what? 
in general, I might look for more of a dark horse here. Um, now, I'm that's not the approach I'm taking personally on this one. Um, I do really, I do really like the France and Portuguese squads. Um, I mean, you can look at a club like, see, I quite like, I quite like the Dutch team. Um, Belgium are decent. It's nice that we've got a lot of strong teams. England look good. England look good. I think I think the problem England are probably going to have is that we've got a lot of players that we don't really know where to play them. You know, we kind of almost want to play four or five attacking midfielders and that just doesn't work in football. But that's something Southgate's got to sort out. It's not something we have to worry about. That That's the only thing that leans me away from England. Um, so forget, totally forget about how they usually are, how they usually play. Um, I think we are on an upward curve as a nation. But the problem is, I think we're just, we've maybe come to it a little bit too soon. And, and some of the defenders as well, like, I wish, I kind of think, if we imagine if we had this team and then we added John Terry and Rio Ferdinand as centre-backs. Could you imagine? Imagine that centre-back pairing now in our team. Because I think with that centre-back pairing, you can make a strong argument with the best team. And people will still try to make that argument. I, I'm, I'm not buying that argument particularly. But now the beauty of sport, we know that. We know this as traders. You know, For goodness sake, I've traded for over half my life now. So I know for a fact that you can get these, you know, you can get these results. It's, this tournament is fairly wide open. You know, I've picked two teams that I think the odds will definitely shorten. I think I'll be able to get my money out pretty well. And I don't think there'll be total duds. However, I might be totally wrong, right? Um, and what's what's interesting for me is that this is kind of a market I love to trade out, right? So, so if this isn't a market you've been in before, maybe, maybe have a look at one of the football guides. Like quite a lot of uh, newspapers will bring out guides to do with the Euros. I think Racing Post often do like a betting guide for it. Just read it. Don't don't take the advice. Worst thing you can do is take the advice. You just want to read it, okay, and then you want to take that in and go, okay here's what I think and then try and look at other things obviously look at our stats software that's great to look at for any kind of trades um but yeah that's kind of where I start when I'm looking at this stuff um so what I want to talk about next is what am I looking for during a match when I'm looking at individual matches so what I think is really really important with something like the Euros is how are the teams playing? You know, when you're watching the match, and I really do strongly advise you watch the matches in play with this. Um, get your pre-match data from our stats software, then watch the match in play and see what's happening. Now, the nice thing with the Euros is you're not going to get a ton of clashes. So you will have the opportunity to watch all the games. You know, if you're trading them, you will be able to watch them. They're not going to overlap. You know, it's not like the European football season where there's lo you know, club season where there's loads of games on all at the same time. This isn't how these Euros work. So you've got the opportunity to watch the match. 
And that is definitely something you should be taking massive advantage of. Okay, because you can watch the flow of a game and go, okay, this is what's happening. This is a closed game or this is a wide open game. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with reading a match like that and then trading based off that read. So let's say I'm watching a match. It's really slow. And I think, oh, these teams, they don't seem like they're going for goals. Then I look a little bit at the pre-match stats. I go to the software and I check it all out. And I think, do you know what? They don't score a ton of goals. This is a tight match. It's a tight situation. Neither team wants to lose. I'm going to get back unders. You know, that is a situation where I kind of think of it as you're trying to push your advantage. Your advantage in this situation is you're watching what's happening, right? And the market, you've got to remember, the market doesn't really often react to what they're, what, what's on TV or what they're seeing in front of them. What the market does is it just has a price pre-match and then it works from there. So every, you know, every minute that goes by, prices on the over two, you know on the under 2.5 goals if there's no goal the price will just keep decreasing until obviously it gets to 1.01 so it's really important that we just take advantage of what we're seeing you know and if if we're seeing something quite obvious like okay there's not going to be a goal here i'm going to get in on that market like i say it's almost like you're trying to push value. So think about it as, as if you're playing poker, right? And let's say you've, you've just been dealt aces and, you know, the player in front of you has put a raise in. You want to push your advantage, right, at this point most of the time. So you want to try and get your money in because you know you've got the best hand possible pre-flop. This is a similar sort of situation. You want to take advantage of what you can see of the value that, that could be present in front of you. And that's really important. And that's kind of how I'd say you want to start approaching these games. Have a look at the game flow, see whether team... Now, you might get the opposite where the game is just really wide open, right? It might be a really wide open game. And you go, I really want to get involved on the goals and I want to back over 2.5 goals. So it's exactly the same principle, isn't it? Except we just need goals instead of not needing them. Um, and the thing with backing overs is just beware that every minute that passes, if there's not a goal, you will be looking at a red screen, right? So when you're backing overs in a spot like that, you're basically saying, I need a goal. You can do one of two things. You can either put a time limit on the goal and go, right, I need a goal by X minutes or I'm out. Or... What I think is often best is that you just put in an amount you're happy to kind of bet with um, and then obviously let that trade run a little bit longer because we know how many goals come late in games. Um, and, you know, like I say, with this being international football, I'm not going to be, I'm not often going to be looking for it to be really wide open and expansive late on. But watch what's happening. Now, the third thing I want to get onto now is the, and the last thing I'm going to talk about today, is the, the kind of pattern that's emerging in big games. So 
what I've noticed this season, um, and to be honest for the last few years, is that when you get to a, a big knockout stage, so let's say you get to the final of something, teams really tighten up. Games really tighten up. You know, it's uh, it's quite interesting. It's like even really expansive attacking teams suddenly, I don't know, they just lose their spark. I'll give you two examples from recent memory. Leicester-Chelsea FA Cup final. Leicester won 1-0 because of a wonder strike. That was the only goal of that game. You know, two teams that can score goals, two teams who you would think would put on a bit more of a show than that. But they didn't. Why? Because they tightened up. Because they, they didn't want to lose. They didn't want to be the one to lose. It's like people used to say with the old golden goal rule. You know, people didn't want to lose money. Uh, lose money. People didn't want to lose the matches on a golden goal. So they just didn't really attack. And it didn't tend to work. Now, what's interesting here is that when you're trading, you always have to consider these things. Let's now look at the Champions League final. 1-0 to Chelsea. Again, the underdog. Quite interesting, the underdog won twice. The other 1-0 that I mentioned earlier that the underdog won was Portugal beating France. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? Three finals. Anyway, Chelsea-Man City was 1-0. Um, two teams that you just think would get goals. And for Man City not to score is, you know... It's almost, I mean, if you listen to the pundits, it's almost impossible. So it's amazing, isn't it, that these are the results that happened. And it, and it just makes me wonder, you know, why, why is it that teams do this? They just, they almost stop playing the way that got them to the final. And that's what I won't really understand. Now, what you'll find in the Euros is that this might happen earlier on. Because of the knockout fact that it's knockout it's only one match it's not like two-legged Champions League final uh, knockout stages you know if you mess up in in the first game you're done in these because you only get one chance so what you might see is that these really tight games just start developing from the knockout rounds and we could take advantage of that in two ways if if the market thinks the match won't be tight and is giving you good odds on unders then and you're watching it is tight then take the unders you know take that value it's a value play and ride with that and then you know remove your liability gradually and then hopefully green up however on the flip side if the market expects low scoring and you're watching a game where quite clearly you think there's going to be a goal soon then that is the time to get on that is the time to push your position and get on. The only thing I would say with that, and actually with both of these trades, once you've entered, keep watching, right? Don't just go, oh, I'm entered now, I'm just going to ride with it, let's see what happens. Because let's say you get in on the premise that the game is slow. Well, if it suddenly speeds up and there's loads of action for the next five, ten minutes, that might be a trade you want to exit before there's a goal and before you lose money. Because the situation of the trade has changed. And again, with all these things, what you're doing by watching, what you're doing by 
analysing the stuff in play, is you're starting to find your edge and you're starting to push your edge in the market. You're looking for value and you're pushing your value. And when it goes against you, you're not taking a big hit. And when it goes for you, you're making a nice profit. That's the key. So when things start going against you, don't just keep your money in and pray. That's not how trading should be. We've got to take a mathematical approach to this. We've got an advantage because we're watching, we've made good analysis and we've realised that the market price is wrong. Because of that advantage, we have to push it. We have to push our advantages. And mathematically, in trading and investing, that's how you make money. So they're just a few of the ways I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade during the Euros. I really hope you enjoy the tournament. I hope if it's your first kind of major tournament trading, um, you kind of you, you do all right. I hope you do really well. And uh, just enjoy it. I can't wait for the Euros. Um, I'll never get the people who don't get excited for things like this. I think ever since I was a kid, I just got excited about any type of football, really, but the major tor- major tournaments, for sure. There's just something nice about the country getting together and backing England, you know, and just really getting behind. And let's face it, we haven't got behind each other as a country. We've, we've, we've been deeply divided these past few years. Um, and I always think it's a nice opportunity for us all to sort of come together and just hopefully enjoy England lifting up that trophy. Wow, could you imagine that? Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll be back with another podcast soon.